Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Hey, here's what I want you to do. Uh, we're going to be looking at some uh, powerful verses and passages this morning, and we're hoping you're going to really be able to track along with us, uh, whether it's on your TV, your iPhone, your tablet, whatever the case may be. But also you can go on your phone to the Version Bible app. All our notes are in there and some pictures and whatnot. So a lot of different ways you can connect with us this morning. But here's what I want you to do as we dive in. I want you to imagine with me for a moment. Okay, I want you to imagine. First of all, I want, here's what I want you to imagine. As imagine that you are in Egypt, you're a Jewish person, and you have been a slave all your life. Your parents were slaves, their parents were slaves, their parents' parents were slaves for generations, for 400 years. Then all of a sudden, you were told to pack your bags. The God of your ancestors has heard your cry and is rescuing you and taking you back to where your ancestors came from 400 years earlier. And then through a series of miracles, including crossing the Red Sea, you managed to escape the Egyptians, and now you find yourself in the desert heading to what is called the Promised Land. Your leader, Moses, he's been up on the, he had, had been up on a mountaintop for 40 days with God, and he came down from that mountaintop. And, and God had given him instructions, and these were commandments on how the people, there were ten of them, on how the people were to live their lives as God's chosen people. You were a slave, but you've been chosen by God. Not only did you get those instructions on how to live your life, God also gave Moses instructions on how to build a tabernacle. God designed it, God created it. Now, why did God do all this? Because he wanted these former slaves, God's chosen people, to know that he would always be present with them, that he would always be available right in their midst, that he wants to have an intimate, dynamic, vibrant relationship with his people. And so, we are in this special series looking at the Jewish tabernacle, again, that was designed and created by God, because this gives us insight into how you and I are called to relate to God, how you and I are called to draw close to God. Now, if you look at this tabernacle, and you've hopefully seen it on your screen there, it gives us a very clear picture of how God wants to be in relationship with us. And in fact, God never wants us to enter the tabernacle in the wrong way. There's a right way that God calls us to draw close to him. When you enter the gate of the tabernacle, the first item you're going to come to, we talked about this last week, some of you might remember, is the bronze brazen altar. In order to get right with God, a sacrifice is required. So the moment that we accept in faith his sacrifice on the cross, uh, because Jesus is, of course, our final sacrifice, the moment we are, God talks about being born again, our sins are forgiven. We're saved, and we enter into a relationship with God. Well, then we move past this brazen altar, and we are standing in the tabernacle a little one step further. And, and between the tabernacle proper, which is called the holy place, was something called the laver. The laver. Now, 
the labor's interesting because unlike all the other items, and again, God designed and created the tabernacle, unlike all the other items in the tabernacle that God had given very clear instructions about, God simply said of the labor to make it out of bronze, and it was to be a reservoir for the priests of water for the priests to wash their hands and feet before they would enter the holy place. The laver was a symbol of cleansing. I want to be clean. I want to be close to a holy God. Now, throw out a couple church words here for you for a moment. If the bronze brazen altar is where you and I are justified before God, then it's at the laver that we are sanctified before God. Now, that's a word maybe some of you've heard before. Maybe you even remember what it means. Maybe some of you don't know what it means. The word sanctified or sanctification means to be set apart for a special purpose, for a special use, and no one else can use it, to be set apart. So when the priest came to this labor to wash, they were saying to God, God, I want to be sanctified to you. I want to be set apart for you. So cleanse me now so that there's no impurity in me, so that I'm not like everyone else in the world. I want to live a life that's different for you, set apart to you, set apart for you, separate for you. Exodus chapter 30 describes it this way. And starting in verse 17, it says, The Lord said to Moses, make a bronze wash basin, basin with, with a bronze stand. Place it between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Aaron and his sons will wash their hands and feet there. They must wash with water whenever they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord, and when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord, or they will, notice what it says, or they will die. They must always wash their hands and feet, or they will die. That's very interesting. If you're a priest, God says you had to cleanse at the labor. And why was that? Well, one of the reasons was so that you will not die. I, I want you to catch this. God's not messing around here. This is serious business to God. Now, was this all about an outward cleansing? Well, it was more than that. And we know that because the Bible tells us about two priests who, and who, who were at the labor and then they entered into the holy place and they actually did, in fact, die. The labor was more than just an outward cleansing. The labor was about purifying and cleansing not only the outside, but also the inside, our hearts, when we enter into a relationship with God. God wanted you and I to ask ourselves, what am I really like on the inside? What am I really like in my heart? You see, I had just watched the sacrifice for my sins take place. And for you and I as Jesus followers, that's Jesus dying on a cross for, as, a, as our sacrifice for our sins. And so I know after watching that, I, I can't go on with business as usual in my life. So God, show me my heart. Show me my life. I want to be pure, God. I want to be set apart for you. The psalmist says it this way in Psalm chapter 139. It says, search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Did you catch what it said there? It says, God, I want you to search me. I want you to know my heart. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, examine yourselves. 
So let's think about this for a moment. You're a priest and you've just made sacrifices on the bronze brazen altar and now you're at the labor and you're beginning to examine yourself and looking for blood or splatter that is on you. So you'd examine yourself on the outside to wash it off. But you were also essentially saying, God, I want to be in relationship with you. So I want to be cleansed and clean on the outside, but more importantly, on the inside. Notice what it goes on to say that Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, he says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is what? Say it out loud wherever you're sitting right now to see if your faith is what? Genuine, right? Genuine. Test yourselves. See, we are called to stop, to look at our hearts, to look honestly, to look sincerely. Is our faith genuine? Is it true? Is it real? Is it authentic? In fact, notice what he even says. We just read it. He says to test yourselves, put yourself to the test. Now, the Bible clearly teaches that nobody is saved by works, that you and I are saved by grace through faith. We're saved by by faith in believing that God did something that we can't do for ourselves. Additionally, James goes on to say in chapter 2, he tells us that this faith that we have, that without works, it's actually dead. You see, one of the ways that you and I have an opportunity to show that our faith is real, that it's genuine when we're testing our faith, is to look, is our faith active? Is it fresh? Is it alive? Is there actions? Is there behaviors? Are there good works? Not doing those works to, quote, save us, because our salvation is simply God doing the work in us. But our works are a response to God's good grace in our life, that that what Jesus did on the cross for us, and so then our good works reflect the transformation that has taken place in our heart. The Apostle John said it this way, he said, In 1 John 1, 6, he says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, If we say that we're a Jesus follower and yet we're walking in darkness, as John says, which is that is just another way of saying is there's blatant sin in our lives. Jesus says, if that's the case, we're actually deceiving ourselves. We're actually lying, he says. We're deceiving ourselves if we say we're a Jesus follower and yet we're not living a holy life, a sanctified life, a set apart life for his purpose. So at the laver, You and I, we take that as we want to draw close into a relationship with God. We take the time to examine ourselves, to cleanse ourselves. Now, what might that look like? We don't have a physical labor labor today. We have Jesus Christ. He was the final sacrifice. So in principle, what might that look like for us? What does that cleansing and purifying look like? Well, John, I think, gives us insight in 1 John chapter 9. He says this. He says, if we confess our sins... And again, this is the idea that we would not deny our sins. Our culture today is telling us 
Don't, there's no such thing as sin. Everybody has their own truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Everybody has their own standard of behavior. And God says, no, 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 no. I have a standard. There is absolute truth. And when we violate uh, God's commands, God's scriptures, God's absolute truth, he says, I want you to confess that because if you confess your sins, 1 John 1, 9, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and he'll purify us from all of our unrighteousness. You see, that's us doing our part, getting real before God, confessing our sins before God. And then God does his part. He says, I forgive you that I do the purifying of your heart from the inside. I cleanse you on the inside. And now you can move forward in your relationship with me. Now you can have a relationship and experience the amazing love and the amazing grace that I offer you. If you have young kids, you totally understand what I'm talking about. Or if you had young kids, you, you might remember these days. One of the values that you teach your kids, at least I hope that you do, you teach them that honesty is one of the more critical uh, values of, one of a person's life. Honesty is critical in life. And as your kids got older or get older, you teach them why. Why? Why is honesty so important? Well, you know this, right? Honesty is critical to being in genuine relationship. Because if you can't be honest, if you can't be trustworthy, if you can't be trusted, if you lie, the relationship falters. The relationship is not as healthy as it could be. You know, we used to tell our kids all the time, we said this, we said, if you do something wrong, we want you to be honest with us. We want you to tell the truth. If you do something wrong and you tell us the truth, you may or may not get in trouble. Some of you parents, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've had these same conversations. We want you to be honest with us. You may or may not get in trouble if you just be honest because of what you did. But you will always get in trouble if you lie to us. Parents, you tracking with me? You remember this or do you know what I'm talking about? If, you, if you're honest with us, You'll, you may or may not get in trouble for what you did, but if you're dishonest, you will always get in trouble. Why? Why? Why do we instill that in our kids? Because honesty is the foundation of any genuine relationship. Honesty is the foundation stone to be able to move forward. So then, no matter what it is that we do, we now are honest. We can move forward together. It's the same with God. That you and I would come to the labor that we'd examine ourselves, that we'd be real, that we'd be genuine, that we'd be authentic. And God doesn't want us to rush past this in our life. That we say, God, yeah, God, I really do have bitterness in my life. God, there really is jealousy in my life. God, there really is envy in my life. God, I'm really struggling with with materialism in life. God, I'm really struggling with idolatry over this situation or that situation, whatever it is. God, the truth is, this is going on in my life. But God, I, I, I want to be changed. God, I want to be different. I want to be sanctified and set apart. So God, would you take this from me? God, would you help me with this? God, would you purify me from the inside out? God, help me to live in a way that's different, that's set apart from those who don't know you. And when you and I do that, 
When we come before God with that honesty, that sincerity, that genuineness, that realness, when we examine ourselves in this way, and we lay ourselves bare before God, cleansing happens. Cleansing happens at the labor. Purifying happens at the labor. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5. He says, God blesses those whose hearts are what? What does it say? Whose hearts are pure. For they will what? Why don't you say that right where you're sitting? For they will what? They will see God. And when you and I are cleansed and when we're purified, our relationship with God can continue to move forward. That we're actually going to be able to be in close, dynamic, vibrant relationship with God because we're seeing God. So let me ask you, when do you have your labor moments? What does that look like for you in your life? Those times of examining yourself, those times of getting really, you know, real and authentic with God. I want to tell you one of those times for me. It's when I, I have my, one of my labor moments is when I worship God through song. Whether that's by myself uh, in the car or on a walk or wherever it may be, or it's at church together with my brothers and sisters in Christ, worshiping God. Whether it's in the home and I'm worshiping with my family with the online services. And here's part of my labor moments. As I'm singing these songs to God, it's not just about singing a song. I'm thinking about the words. And as I sing those words, I'm declaring to God, God, this song I'm singing right now. Yes, God, this is true of my life. Yes, God, I worship you. Yes, God, I lift my hands as we sing. I stand and lift my heart and hands. They're open to you. We sing a song, God, you are a mighty warrior. And we're saying, yes, God, I declare this. I believe this is true. But also as I worship God in these labor moments through song, there's times when I, 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 I am singing the words and I say, God, man, this isn't true in my life right now. But God, I want it to be. And so God, I'm declaring these words and I'm asking you to purify me, God. And so I'm worshiping you and this hasn't been true. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I repent. And God, I lift this up to you and it will be true for me, God. And this is what I'm pursuing in you. It's a labor moment with God. I would encourage you, if you've never thought about that, that worship can also be a time of God purifying your heart. Well, there's another way in which I have labor moments before God, and that's when I'm reading God's word. Now, that's not always the case, but there's times when I am reading God's word, not just for information, not just to go through the routine, not just to gather and say, okay, I read the word today, but there's times I read and I know I'm really wanting God to transform me. I'm wanting to have a labor moment with God where I really soak in his word, where I meditate on his word, when I really ask God to speak to me, to open my heart to him. It's not always the case, but there are times when I open the word and I just say, God, I, I want you to transform me. And so speak to my heart and cleanse me. It's a labor moment. If we want to have a dynamic, vibrant relationship with God, then come to the labor often. Have these moments with God often. Let's examine our lives. Then God will cleanse us and we can draw near to him. If we're clean, we can be close. Clean to be close. Clean to be close. And yet how often do you and I find ourselves like the Israelites? Now, we're going to read a passage in Ezekiel chapter 33, and I've got to tell you about this passage. This is one of those passages for preachers 
we read this passage, we go, oh my goodness, I hope this isn't true of the people that I've been called to minister to. You're going to see what I, what I mean when we begin to read this in a moment. And I hope this passage has never been true for anybody at LifePoint. But man, we, preachers, man, we always wonder uh, as, we, as we look at these words. So Ezekiel chapter 33, we're going to pick it up in verse 30. It says this, Son of man, and he's talking about Ezekiel. So you and I, can, we, we could substitute preacher here, right here. All right, hey preacher, your people or your church talk about you in their houses and whisper about you at the doors. They say to each other, come on, let's go to church to hear, the, to hear the prophet tell us what the Lord is saying. And that's what you do, right? You come to church to hear what God wants to say to you or, or you're listening or watching online and it's okay, God, what do you want to say to me? Verse 31, so my people come, and what's that word? My people come pretending to be sincere and sit before you. They listen to your words, but they have no intention of doing what you say. Their mouths are full of lustful words. Their hearts seek only after money. You are, oh man, this is, this is tough. You are very, what, what does it say? You're very entertaining to them. They hear what you say, but they don't act on it. He says, there's people who say, hey, I love the sound of what you just said. I love that message. I totally agree with the message. That's right on. But they have no intention of ever responding, of ever changing, of ever, do, ever doing anything about it. Oh, Pastor Chris, that was a great, great message. We loved it. Sometimes people will say that to me, Pastor, we love the message. That was great. God was really speaking to you. Uh, that was so funny today. That was hilarious. Man, every time I hear that. I think of this passage, I'm like, oh Lord, I hope they're going to respond to it and not just hear it. In fact, James speaks to that in James chapter 1. His commentary to us is, he says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Do you get what God is saying? Maybe you've heard the phrase before, you're not saved by what you do but clearly the saved do. You're not saved by what you do, but clearly the saved do. You see, the Christian life, those who've been cleansed, who've been purified, who've been sanctified and set apart, it's a call to action to turn our back from sin and to live a holy life, a sanctified life, a set-apart life that God has called us to. It's the key to experiencing a dynamic, vibrant, close connected relationship with our Heavenly Father. And when you and I, man, when we don't do what God's Word says, James tells us, man, we're just fooling ourselves. Because the reality is, our sin, that's what stands in the way of you and I seeing God, of being close to God. Now, I need someone right there, wherever you're at right now, listening, watching this, I need you to help me out here. When Jesus was on the cross and He cried out, He cried something out. And I want you to help me out. What did he say? He said this, Matthew chapter 27. Maybe some of you know it. He said, my God, my God. What did Jesus go on to say? My God, my God, what? Why have you forsaken me? Have you ever wondered, why did Jesus say that? Was it because God withdrew from Jesus or God turned his face from Jesus? As you've maybe heard people say, hey, God can't look on sin. And so you've heard that verse or interpretation. And maybe you've thought, Oh, God had to turn away. Well, I don't think God took his eyes off Jesus. Well, then why did Jesus say that? 
Well, for a couple of reasons, but first I think Jesus wanted to, to draw our attentions to Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm chapter 22. It was a prophetic passage about the very crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus' words on the cross were at, was actually him quoting Psalm 22, verse 1. Part of that psalm says this, Psalm chapter 22, verse 24, it says, For he, God, has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he, God, hidden, hidden his face from him or Jesus. But when he, Jesus, cried out to God for help, God heard. See, the passage is talking about Jesus on the cross and it says God never withdrew. God never took his hand off him. God never hid his face from Jesus. So then why? Why did Jesus make that declaration? Well, think about it. Jesus had always experienced a close, intimate, dynamic relationship with God. Always. And at the moment that our sin, my sin, your sin, everyone's sin, past, present, and future... The moment that sin was laid upon Jesus upon the cross, in that moment, for the very first time ever, Jesus experienced what it was like not to be in an intimate, dynamic relationship with God. And so he cried out, God, my God, I can't see you. Where are you? God, it feels like you've forsaken me. Is it possible that we have lived our lives content not seeing God? Is it possible we have lived content not walking in a vibrant, close relationship with God, being in his presence? For Jesus, it was too much. He couldn't handle it. Oh my gosh, Lord, where are you? I can't see you. Why have you forsaken me? But is it possible we can be content going through a day or a week or a month without thinking about God or spending time with God? Is it possible that we've been content making decisions in our life apart from God's involvement? Is it possible that you and I have been content on being religious, but missing out on a relationship? Is that possible? You see, God says that's not how your life was ever intended to live. You were intended to be close with me. Remember, we looked the first week that it's in our very DNA to be close to God, to know God, to be connected to God. See, the problem is our sin. Our sin is what has created this chasm between us and God. And the blood of Jesus is there to remove that chasm so that I can come before God and I can say, God, is there something in my life that's preventing me from seeing you? that the blood of Jesus needs to cover? Because blessed is the pure in heart, for they're the ones that see God. And so, God, I'm having this labor moment with you right now. God, I'm examining myself, whatever it is for you. And God, I'm confessing it. God, I'm asking that you cleanse me. God, I'm asking that you purify me so that I can see you, so that I can be close to you, so that I can walk with you, so that I can be in your presence. Now, here's what I really want you to think about. For many of us, from our perspective, and I say this as I look at my own life and also as I know you, for many of us, it isn't so much a binary choice in our lives of either God or the world. 
God or sin. For us, it's a little more of a blending. That we want the best of both worlds. Yeah, we want God. It's why we're here. It's why we're paying attention. It's why we listen. It's why we come to church. It's why we listen online. It's why we read the Word. We want God. But we also want what the world has to offer. And I get it. I really do. I have that same struggle in my own life when I'm living in the flesh. But today, today is a special moment for us where we're coming before God in a special way, standing at the laver. And here at the laver, it's a time of self-examination, self-reflection, a time of getting genuine and real and honest before God. So as we get ready to wrap up looking at James 4, I am asking that the Holy Spirit would speak to your heart right now, that you would have this moment in time where you allow the Holy Spirit to open you, to open your hearts. Have this labor moment and be real and genuine before God. Let's read this and listen to this and let the Holy Spirit do his work in our life. James chapter four, it says this in verse four. It says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you a what? Say it. Makes you an enemy of God. I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. See, God does say, you can't have it both ways. It is a binary choice. It's either God or the world. There can't be a blending. You and I, we're called to make a choice. James chapter 4, verse 5, what do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the Spirit of God is placed within us, that it's in us, that our spirit's actually filled with envy? But God doesn't leave us hanging. Remember, he wants to have a relationship with us. So notice what it says. It says this, but he gives us even more grace to stand against these desires. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. And so here's the so. So what? So what do we do? So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Now here we get the labor language. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Why? Why does God want us to have this moment, this honest moment, this sincere moment, this labor moment? Why? Because your loyalty is, what's the word? Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. God is getting real with us right now. He says our loyalty is divided. And man, that's the reason we sometimes find ourselves struggling in our relationship with God. It's the reason we find ourselves not having a relationship with God and having it be all it can be. It's a reason at times that we say, I, God, I can't see you in my life. It's a reason sometimes my relationship with God is dry. It's the reason my relationship with God is empty sometimes or hollow or distant. It's because of this divided loyalty in us. Wanting God, but also wanting a piece of the world. So God says, let's humble ourselves. Draw near to me. And it's just like the parent who's sitting before the child who has just messed up, is screwed up, sinned, whatever. And that parent is looking at the child saying, I want you to be real. I want you to be honest. So the floor is yours. God says the same to us. The floor is yours. He's waiting to see what we'll do next. Will we wash our hands? Will we purify our hearts? God gives us some very descriptive language in this passage on what it might look like for us. And there's times I think this ought to be true for us. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes when we have our labor moments, he goes on in James chapter four, verse nine, and says, let there be tears for what you've done. 
Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourself before the Lord and he'll lift you up in honor. And why would there be tears? Why would there be deep grief and sadness and gloom? It's because we're being real. In the labor moment, man, we're grieved by our sin. We're grieved that our sin has caused us to be separated from God. And in these moments, we come before God and we say, man, God, I don't want to have friendship with the world. I know that stood in the way of me experiencing a phenomenal relationship with you, that it breaks your heart. And so, God, I'm coming. I'm ready. And I want to ask you, are you ready this morning? Whenever you're listening to this, are you ready to have a labor moment to examine yourself, to humble yourself? Are you willing to allow your sin to actually grieve your heart? even to the point of tears? Are you willing to pour open your heart and your soul at the labor because you want more than anything else you want to draw close to God? If so, God promises to draw close to you. So God's inviting you right now, every single one of us, to get real, to get right, to get honest with God, to have our labor moment. And God, through the blood of Jesus, will purify us and cleanse us and God will give us that opportunity to enter in with him. If you want that, will you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before you right now. Wanting to accept and receive your invitation to life. Your invitation to purpose and meaning and hope and joy and peace and eternal life. And so God, once again, for some of us, and maybe for some of us the first time, God, we declare this to you and I invite everybody to pray this right now. Every single one of us to say, Jesus, right now I come before you and I recognize that I am a sinner and I need to be saved by your sacrifice on a cross for my sins. And so I come before you in faith. I surrender my life to you. I'm inviting you to be my Lord, to be my Savior, that I would choose to no longer live, but to live for you. So God, cleanse me, purify me. I'm laying before you. And thank you for giving me your Holy Spirit. Thank you for restoring me to life. Thank you for making a way through Jesus that I can be in a relationship with you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I come before you. My life is yours. Use me for your glory. God, use me. I choose to be set apart for how you want to use me in, your, in, in this world. I love you, Lord. I praise you. I worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.